smooth turn from Christian Press and a left-footed effort which goes in. How about that for an introduction? Christian Press. Christian Press, what a goal for United. We said it was coming, Lindsay. She just booted it right past Arnold. He will send it back in. And that is a beautiful header from Christian Press. Back in the starting lineup, back amongst the goals. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester United podcast. I'm Helen Evans. I'm Sam Homewood. I assume you, you left that pause there for me to introduce myself. I yeah, did. Nice. <laughs> How are you doing? Good, but we have no I'm David May. We don't. We don't have a David May, which is gutting. No beer machine, no golf chat. No. No, no madness that he brings. How many guesses will it take us to work out where Maisie is? I would say one. Yeah, I think we, we could probably all work it out. Yeah. Maisie yeah. is probably playing golf. It's most likely, isn't it? He will be missed, though, obviously. Yeah. I think he um, would... Cool. Sorry, Sam. No, no. I just made a noise. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think he will be disappointed to be missing this one mm-hmm. today. Kristen Press is on our podcast. We are absolutely delighted about that. Of course, um, signed for Manchester United uh, at the start of the season. And born in L.A., I know. Pretty glamorous. cool. Very, very glamorous. glamorous. Very yeah. glamorous, Sam. I'd quite like to live there. I like the idea of being somewhere where it's sunny all the time. Yeah, I know. I often think, would you ever get sick of living in the sun? I wouldn't. Like cosy winter nights? No. Yeah. I, it would be rubbish. I wouldn't like it at Christmas. I can't get on board with the idea of a sunny Christmas. But I would like it the rest of the year. 364 days would be fine. Yeah, that would do me. Um, Incredible career she has had, particularly international career yeah absolutely astonishing like she's won two world cups i know she's also been in the simpsons helen as as herself sam yeah she she was she was in an episode of the simpsons as a as a member of the united states national women's national team I did you the know national that because you researched it or is that because you've watched the simpsons and you were like oh there's Kristen press well, I, I'm a big fan of The Simpsons, but no, it's because I researched it and found out she was there. Also, she has the, a key to New York City. I don't, know, I don't know what that means or if that's a real key or what, but that's quite cool, isn't it? Our second two-time World Cup winner on the podcast, because uh, obviously Tobin Heath, her international teammate, has also won the World Cup 2015-2019, but I wasn't on that podcast. That's the first time I'm going to have a chat with a two-time World Cup winner, which I'm oh, quite wow. excited about. Mm-hmm. Interesting as well that she made the move to Manchester United alongside Tobin Heath probably Mm -hmm. made it a little bit easier for her to move across the world you've got a teammate you start together you're in lockdown together not an ideal situation to join Manchester United with no fans as well like how much has she missed out on yes but what a weird time I think about this like and Cavani quite a lot actually like he's just never played in front of fans at Old Trafford his experience of Manchester and life in England is so decided by Covid and it's the same for her I know. Well, we should ask her. Let's do that, Sam. Here's Kristen Press. Kristen, welcome to the United Podcast. <laughs> Thank you. How are you? I'm doing fine. Um, the weather's been crazy today. Mm-hmm. All types of weather. That's what we get in Manchester. Are you used to that in England now? Yeah. That's what I, I always say. Manchester's very moody. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit different from LA, I suppose, and growing up then. But you know what? It is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I've lived all over. I haven't lived in L.A. since I was 18. Uh, So experienced all different types of people and culture and weathers. And it's part of part of the journey for sure. 
What about the people in Manchester? How have you found settling in and your time here? It's been great, obviously, with COVID. Um, it's been an unusual time. Um, and uh, really, the people that I've spent my time with are just my teammates um, and the staff. Um, and I, I've loved playing with them. And I've loved uh, spending time and getting to know all the girls and, and the staff. I think it's a really special group. And um, I do think it's funny to me because Manchester people like complain about the weather so much. <laughs> And it's and it's like if in the U.S. generally, like wherever you live, you try to like argue that like your town is like the best town and your weather is like the best weather. But like in Manchester, yeah, the they just like give it to you the first day and they've never stopped talking about how terrible it is here. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to England. Yeah, exactly. Um, I read an interview with you. Uh, uh, you know, in preparation for this in which you'd said I think it was I think you'd done it in November and you said you you maybe a year ago you couldn't have seen yourself moving to England to to be part of the Women's Super League how do you feel now that you're coming to the end of the season about about being in England and making this move and this whole new chapter in your career yeah I think a year ago well I guess now a year and a half yeah um it, it was a time where you still had plans and you still had like a future um and there was some I guess there was the illusion of certainty, um, things that I, I knew would happen in my life. And in the last year and a half, I think all of us have experienced um, the disintegration of that uh, perception um, and the true transience of our life. Um, and, you know, I, I hadn't thought about moving back to Europe. I obviously have played in Europe before. Um, and I, I, for no particular reason, just thought my life was going to be moving back home. I'm getting closer and closer to LA if possible. Um, and it, and because of, um, the madness that was last year and not, not playing for a really long time, it was a very quick and impulsive decision to like pick up and move and come here for Tobin and I, and, um, it, it wasn't stressful. We did it like with ease and like excitement, but it just wasn't like a long drawn out, like thoughtful process of like, why do we want to go? Should we stay? Or should we? we were just sort of like, we want to play. And like, we have an opportunity to play. So um, in that, I feel like now when I'm looking back, um, it like what a blessing in disguise uh, for myself. What a what an unforeseen blessing that I was given to come here and be able to play consistently for the, the last nine months um, and be in an environment that challenged me and helped me grow. And I suppose because you did have Tobin in that situation, it maybe made a little bit easier for you to make that move you had each other it's a bit of a comfort blanket when you're going somewhere completely new yeah I think so um but at the same time when I moved to Sweden in 2012 I did that on my own and um and and I feel like once I like decide that I'm going to do something I'm not the person that then is like wishing I was doing something else or I'm not homesick um, I, I was here and I was present in this experience and um, and that's why I feel like I enjoy, enjoyed it so much. So let's go back to the very beginning. We know you uh, were born and you grew up in Los Angeles. Your dad was an American footballer and by that I don't mean soccer as in gridiron, right? And your mum played tennis. Two sisters and what was life like for you? I guess very sporty. Yeah, soccer was definitely a family affair um, from when I was really young. My parents coached and managed our little youth teams, and I learned how to play the game side by side with my sisters. Um, 
So I think like the good memories are, are like traditional, traditional LA soccer family memories of like packing up the minivan and like driving out two hours on a Sunday with like the cooler in the back and um, <laughs> all of us playing in like various games and like bouncing around from field to field. Um, and that's and that's kind of how I fell in love with the game. Um, and a lot of it for me was really trying to make my family proud. And there was a long time in my career that um, I felt that it could bring my family joy to win, to be great. And that's the biggest motivator that I had. Was it always an aspiration for you to become a footballer and indeed play for your national team, something which you've done over a hundred times now, an incredible achievement? Or at that young age, did you not really think that that was in your sights at the time? I don't have any young memories of like dreaming about professional soccer, which didn't exist then in the US, or dreaming of the national team. But I have a photo of myself and my team at the 1999 World Cup in Los Angeles with my face painted red, white, and blue and and like the whole <laughs> kit. And I can see it in my eyes that it was a dream, um, but it's not something that I remember. Um, obviously the, the soccer system's a little different in the US and I, always recall trying to make like the next step. Um, so when I was a youth player, like trying to make the youth national team, um, when I was in high school, trying, trying to have the opportunity to play at a scholarship college, um, and, and be the best. And it wasn't until college where a lot of my, um, teammates started getting called up to the national team and started going pro that that ambition became like the next step. Mm-hmm. Where does that ambition in you come from? Even because you talk about at a young age, like looking at those next steps and trying to reach those goals. Is that is that driven from the love of the game or does that come from you as an individual away from sport that you're just you're a very driven, maybe competitive person? Yeah, I'm certainly driven. Um, and I do think if it wasn't football, it would be something else. Um, I love the game. I love uh, the the lessons and the never ending challenge that football is, um, the, the fact that it's so clear that you can never do it perfectly. Like I love that, but I think just how I am, I really have always been super competitive. I competed against my sisters in everything that we did and I'm a middle child. So a lot of it was competing for my parents' attention. Um, and I think that from my family unit, that's where like all of my drive came and, um, it was not, you know, I was very young when my parents decided that I could be great at football and they were more driven than I was. And so they were the ones telling me to go in the backyard and play and don't forget to like take the extra shot. And they were the ones like managing my schedule to make sure I could do all the things that I needed to do. Um, and then I think I just obviously like absorbed that drive and that desire to be great um, and, and carried it with me. I can't be the only person to notice this. You started off saying soccer and during that answer, you said football twice. Well, it was, it was hard because actually you said American football. Mm-hmm. So then I was thinking like, well, what are we saying here? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I try to say football when I'm speaking to someone who says football. And then when I speak to like Americans, I, I always say soccer. But now I just got really, I got really thrown by your reference of American <laughs> football. <laughs> but what would you call American football? Oh, I suppose you'd just football. call it football? Yeah. Of course you would. Yeah, you wouldn't American. It wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I just want to ask you, I'm going to move a little bit further on, just want to ask you about your debut when you did eventually make your debut 
for the national team. What was that moment like then for you and all of your family? Because I think maybe to get there for you, did you find it quite a difficult road? Yeah, my first cap happened in 2013, I think in January. Um, And I remember it very, very well because it was the first time I had ever played in front of, you know, a 20,000 person crowd. Um, And my dad flew out for the game. Um, I think my mom and my dad both flew out for the game. And I was so incredibly nervous. And I had exactly, as you kind of alluded to, like this feeling like all my life, I had been like waiting for this moment. Um, And in my mind, it felt like it came really late. Like I had wanted to be on the national team for like three or four years. So I felt like I had waited so long for this moment. Um, And then the game itself was really easy. And it was surprising because like I had this like thought about myself that like I didn't do well under pressure. This was going to be too much for me. And when I got in the game, it was very easy. It was like an easy match Um, and not we didn't like win by a lot. But there was just this intuitive understanding that I had with the players and with the culture and with the system of what we were trying to achieve that that made it um, possible for me to actually show my best, even though it was like, you know, a, a monumental moment in my in my life and career. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to I'm going to read for a second, if that's OK. So you now have 144 caps, 60 goals, which I think puts you ninth on the all time top scorers list. And during that time and. I've heard and seen before that you maybe fell out of love with the game a little bit through your desperation to play for the for the women's national team and get in the first team. And so you did break in. You've played all those games. You've scored all those goals. You've picked up two World Cup winners medals, the CONCACAF Women's Championships 2014-2018, the Women's Olympic Qualifying Tournament 2016-2020, the Algarve Cup in 2013, 2015, the She Believes Cup in 2016, 2018, 2020, 2021, the Tournament of Nations 2018, and then all of your individual awards. That is extraordinary, is it not? It's a long list. <laughs> I guess that's my mm-hmm. life over the last yeah. um, six, seven years. Um, yeah, it's like hard. It's hard to believe, um, especially if I go back to that moment where I was getting my first cap and I felt like I was had been so frustrated um, to not be there earlier. And to you know, you kind of when you're young, you kind of feel like every moment is like the last opportunity. And now to like listen to to that, it you know. It was obviously not. There were so many opportunities after that and still ahead of me. Um, And I do know that um, being on this team has, uh, being on the U.S. Women's National Team has been such a blessing. And um, it's an environment that is very challenging to be in. Um, But it's uh, it's become home and it's become um, an environment that I thrive in. Um, and I think that, you know, I wouldn't have been able to ha- have the career I've had so far if it weren't for um, kind of adapting quickly into that really brutal um, cutthroat culture um, and, and having amazing support and teammates throughout it. Talking about club career then, we'll move from country to club. Tell us about the move to Sweden I, I assume from what you said before, it wasn't a difficult decision for you to make. You make a decision and you go with it, but it's it's moving a long way from home at that stage. Yeah, so when I decided to move to Sweden the very first time, um, the the U.S. Domestic League had actually just folded four days before, and we were at the very end of a transfer window. And 
uh, I, I am a very dramatic person. I was even more dramatic when I was in my 20s. And I felt like when I heard that the league folded, like I had like a simple choice, like retire or go play in Sweden. And, and I did, I considered not playing. I think at that point, um, I had only been a professional for one year. I hadn't made the national team and I, I wasn't enjoying playing. Um, and, you know, I said to hell with it. I'm going to go far away from here, far away from the national team dream and just go play. And in my mind, I knew nothing of the international game. Um, I knew nothing of, you know, European leagues. So for me, it was like, I'm going to give up on this dream. No one's ever going to see me play there. And I'm just going to go play and enjoy the game and try to enjoy it like I did when I was younger. And um, the story goes that the U.S. Women's National Team head coach was Pia and she was Swedish. So it was I was only over there for two months before I got my first call up. Um, and, you know, it's sort of the scenic route uh, mm -hmm. to the national team. Um, but I think the the most important factor there was like letting go of the dream. Uh, you kind of have to let it go and release it in order to get it. And that's something that, you know, football's taught me again and again. Um, and, and, it, and it also is a lesson that's allowed me to really just like take decisions and like tough times with confidence and see them as um, as blessings. So let's talk about your move to Manchester United. Did you have a few options on the table? What was it about the club and the project that attracted you to Manchester in the first place? Well, I think first and foremost, um, this league is, you know, doing really well, getting a lot of attention and had attracted a lot of the top players. So that was very interesting to me. Um, I always like to compete alongside and against the best. Um, and I think a big part of that was... Um, the stability and consistency that I knew this league and this team could provide um, being associated with the men's club during um, this very strange and unpredictable time. Um, so those were really big things. And then um, the first conversation that I had was directly with Casey. Um, and she is incredible. And, and you get a sense of who she is as a person right away. She's very serious. Um, she cares a lot about what she does and who she's who she's coaching. Um, and it was quite obvious that it was going to be a special team and a special culture. Um, and those were kind of the main things that like I brought into this decision. I think I can hear Sam's baby crying in the background there. Anybody yeah. at home is listening and wondering what that noise is, I can hear a little newborn yeah. crying. Yeah, yeah, she's there. <laughs> Just thought I'd reference um, it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and because obviously it's been such a strange time in terms of the access that fans have had to their football clubs and things, how have you found your relationship with, with fans of, of the team? Well, I am very sad mm -hmm. that I won't have played a match in front of the United fans this whole season. Um, I think when when I joined, I thought, oh, like in January, there'll be fans, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. we were all so yeah. naive. <laughs> so we yeah. just kept thinking just a couple more months. Like I still think it's just a couple more months, but like who knows? Um, so I think that that's been hard. I actually think playing in um, stadiums without fans is incredibly hard. I think it's a bigger deal than um, people even talk about because it's it's weird to say, um, but it, it's challenging and you kind of have to like find something within you um, to really get you going because the fans just bring so much. That being said, 
Um, the fans have been very supportive from afar, um, and it was a great reception when we first joined the team, and we were so excited. Um, and and we've been living off the the stories from the girls of the crazy fans, and these fans are the best. And um, you know, would love would love to think that you know the performances and the games that we've had have been exciting and positive for them this year. Although you've had no fans, has the competitiveness of the WSL lived up to your expectations? Yeah, certainly. I think um, it's it's very different in terms of um, how the table is compared to the NWSL where it, it really is like any team could win on any day. Um, there's definitely stronger teams here um that that win consistently and that make it really hard to to break that top three uh because they're not going to drop points that they're not supposed to so i think that um that has its own challenge um and then it kind of there's kind of an additional pressure when you take you play against a team that you're expected to beat like you cannot drop points um so i would say both leagues are very competitive but in a different way uh, just a quick one on them. We talked. You mentioned about uh, playing in empty stadiums. Of course, you played and scored at Old Trafford. What was that like? Well, I think when I went into the moment, you know, there was just like a lot going on, and I didn't realize how monumental it was going to be. Um, and when I just walked into the stadium, I had a feeling, and you know, as an American. Um, we don't have such a rich history of football. And so you kind of come over to England to experience that. Um, and we've only, I've only had glimpses of that um, in moments. Um, but when I, when I walked into Old Trafford, that was one of them. I could feel the history. I could feel um, the excitement and energy that just sat on the pitch, that just sat in the stadium, um, in the place where all the people were supposed to be. Um, and it didn't feel like a game with no fans. It was one of the only ones. And obviously it would have felt worlds apart if it was full of fans. Um, but it was it was really special. How have you helped to mentor your fellow teammates over the last year? Because they probably look to you as, sorry to say it, but a senior professional now. <laughs> you know, it is a young squad and you're maybe one of the older ones. How, how have you taken that role on and do you like it? Yeah, definitely. I think that I have been an experienced player now for a couple of seasons, um, and it's something that I embrace. I I love I love mentorship. I love being mentored as much as um, mentoring, and uh, that's has a special place in obviously in in the locker room. Um, so I think there's a couple of things. There's also like a cultural barrier. Um, so there's just like cultural differences between how um, my English teammates approach the game. And so I think a lot of the things that I've like shared and taught them are kind of just like about an American mentality and like how we see the game and how we see winning and striving for greatness. Um, and, you know, there are just like little things um, like flipping, flipping your sentence. So, you know, something simple like when you're approaching um, like a scouting report, 
the, the, the ideology here is, oh, how are they going to beat us? And like in the US, we would never say that. It was like, oh, what are their strengths? You know, like you could maybe give them that, but like you would never say like, how are they going to beat us? Because like they're not going to beat us. Um, so you, so it was just little things like that, I feel like have been really helpful and positive in the group um, to take a more um, positive approach uh, to what's coming and actually try to like start to manifest your wins. Um, and like, you know, if the team had dropped points in in a, a match in the previous season, they would talk about it a lot. Like, oh, last time we played away at this stadium, like we didn't win. And it's like that rhetoric we had, I had to squash that really early. Like <laughs> you have to manifest um, the future that you want. And I think um, culturally there, there here was like a sense of like what had happened previously. Um, so that, that was a big part of it. And I think the other thing is it's it's a training team. It's a team that works really hard. We have huge training volumes. It's a young team and, and they're developing. Um, and it's hugely positive. It's been really positive for me um, because I've been in performance mode for the last few years, which means to me like you only do what you need to do to be your best on Sunday, which is, is very limited in training. Um, so to be in a grind um, in a culture where like they do expect you to show up at training and be your best and like earn your spot every week was was really great. Um, and one thing that I think it has to be balanced with is like also like a deep sense of like self. So like you're knowing your body, like self-knowledge and then being able to stand up and say like, this isn't right. I can't do this. I need this. Um, so that's something that I, I have always done my whole career. Um, I've been lucky to stay healthy and I've tried to share that with the girls here. Awesome. I have a question. We, have, we don't have loads of time, which is why people listening might sort of think this is all over the place. Uh, <laughs> but I have to ask, what does it feel like to win a World Cup? Oh, my favorite question. Um, <laughs> and I always feel like I'm going to disappoint people um, because it is it is absolutely a life changing experience. Like there's not very many moments that you can point to that moment in your life and say like everything changed. And actually in 2015, um, winning that first World Cup, I my life changed. I went from just being a person in the world that was just me and only known by the people that like I met to a completely different lifestyle, um, being known, walking around, um, having to, to deal with um, a certain level of fame that I was like deeply uncomfortable with, um, also more economic opportunity, um, which allowed me to reinvest in my game. Um, and, and so it was like a life-changing moment. And, um, and, and the way it felt was um, overwhelming. It's like, you can't feel as those things are happening to you. You're just like, you're almost experiencing them like as if you're watching. Um, and then I think, I think now I, you know, I will lay on the couch and think like, what if we hadn't won? And, and I know my life would be the same. And like, I, I know that like winning and losing like feels like it's so important and it is so important, but like ultimately it's just like a piece of the puzzle. And like, I have to be like a complete and healthy person that like is content with whatever my life brings. And I am. Um, so there's that like duality of like the magnitude of like what it actually means. And then like how I experience it as an individual. That's a very eloquent answer. <laughs> so better than being in the Simpsons. Better than being in The Simpsons. Yeah, yes, certainly. 
I think he might be our first guest that's appeared in The Simpsons. Really? Yeah, I think in 80-odd episodes. I can't think... I mean, I've not done any research on this. (laughs) I'm just shooting from... I think you're the first uh, guest we've had that's been in The Simpsons. I think. What a random fact to bring to this. (laughs) Yeah, very important. We have one last question, and I think it's appropriate that Helen asks it, as she always asks it. It always falls to me. Uh, thank you so much for your time. By the way, it's been an absolute pleasure it to have been. you on great. the podcast. Yes, before we go, we just want to ask for a recommendation for a teammate that you might have that might have some good stories for the podcast for us. Oh, a teammate that would have good stories about me. Uh, well, well, it can't be like. about you, but <laughs> more so about themselves. All of the girls are amazing and interesting. Um, if you're looking for just like an interesting person, like Zell's the go-to. Um, That's a that team, team answer. A team answer. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's so unique and beautiful in their own way. Lovely. Don't expect that kind of teamwork from a centre forward, if most. <laughs> That's the beauty of a podcast is every single person's interesting. True. Very true. If you just like take the time to like get in there you know exactly Kristen thank you so much for joining us that was great thank you very much good luck with the rest of the season thank you appreciate it well that was Kristen Press and uh, sorry it was so short everybody unfortunately obviously she's super busy there's a lot going on um, so we didn't get as long with her as we would have liked but hopefully what we did get was really good and you would have enjoyed it and thought oh that was really interesting I liked it very difficult to fit her career into such a short period but I think what she told us was incredible and great great story she has to tell yeah really good and a, a really good storyteller actually that was a, interesting when she was talking about being in the dressing room and like mm. obviously she's an American and as a you know she exudes confidence and she was talking about the mindset between some of the English women and her viewpoint and talking about how they approach games and stuff I thought that was really interesting yeah she comes across as a real leader doesn't she yeah it is quite a young team, the Manchester United ladies team. So to come in at her age when she's, you know, played around the world as well, played in World Cups, like you can't get much more experience than that. No, she's there to mentor and be mentored, as she said. She likes that. Yeah, that was a nice line, wasn't it? I like that one. Do you like I being might... mentored or mentoring? Um, I don't think I've ever thought situ- about it. Depends on the situation. Yeah, I shouldn't. There's nothing to get out of going down this road. <laughs> We'll go. We'll go into our psychology episode. Uh, yeah, another day. After this, another day. Yeah. yeah. Also, Sam, when she talked about playing at Old Trafford, incredible experience, and she scored as well. Which I know she sort of began by being a bit cool about it all, and then sort of as soon as she sort of almost finished the game, maybe realised quite how special that was and how excited she was to be at Old Trafford, to score at Old Trafford, and to feel the history and everything inside the stadium. It's a yeah. very special place. Very special. And obviously, as we've said numerous times, not the same without fans, but she still got that feeling clearly. Yeah. And that's it, isn't it? It's, that's, that, I suppose, a testament to the building and what yeah. sort of what people have put into it. It's only special because people make it special. Yeah. Great podcast. Another person that has recommended Katie Zellum as well. She has got to be top of our list. Yeah. Lots of pressure on her to tell good stories. Yeah, she there is, like isn't a, there? Yeah. She sounds like a great character, though. Everybody yeah. talks so highly of her. So that will definitely be on our to-do list. Yeah, no excuses. Also All right, on the to-do list. Else? Yes, that's also on our to-do list. Hey, nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, would you like to go first? Okay. 
Yvette Robinson says, Hi team, I just wanted to send you guys a message to say how much I absolutely love the podcasts. As a lifelong fan growing up with my dad and his dad as supporters, I have loved hearing the stories from the players that my dad used to watch when he was my age and growing up, such as Sammy McElroy, for example, who I didn't know my dad absolutely loved. So it's been great sharing all the things I've learned. I'm close in age to Sam, 26. How old are you again, Sam? Similar, similar age. Similar. Very similar. So I think we have the same experience with watching the... 2000s and 2010 era of greats such as Gig Skulls, Berber, Patrice, Fletch, Wes Brown, Rooney and the rest during my teens. So hearing all their stories has been even more awesome. Sorry for such the long message. I'm also loving hearing from the United Women. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode then. Uh, I'm enjoying watching them get more exposure. It helps hearing about the players for me to connect to them. I'm praying for COVID to blow over so I can go to games again and I'm hoping to start going to the women's games too. I do have a couple of suggestions. Owen Hargreaves, Chris Smalling, Danny Welbeck. Very good choices. Thank you very much, Yvette. We will work on those and put those also on our to-do list. Yvette's got a couple of weeks on me. It's very close though. It's probably very close. Mm. Right, I've got one here from Keith Byrne who says, hello, Sam, Helen and David. First time emailing in, I'm Keith Byrne from Dublin, Ireland. I'm 40 years old and have been a supporter of this famous club since the young age of nine years old. My first football jersey was the old blue and white zigzag design from the 88 season Red Shark sponsor and my earliest memories of watching the FA Cup final in 1990. I have had the privilege of meeting Bobby Charlton and got a photo as well. I've also had the privilege of getting David May's autograph and my dad met him on a golf course in Spain. Oh, there's a a surprise. (laughs) Yeah. It killed him to ask as he is a Leeds fan and he still reminds me to this day all the time. Also have a photo of that day as well. I've been a lucky guy. First game at Old Trafford, the 6-1 win over Arsenal back in 2001. Highlight of my day, seeing Roy Keane scoring. My sober day for the Derby loss, same score, 6-1 to City. But I sang my heart out in the Stretford end, my first time in that stand. I would love to hear Paul McGrath, Vidic, Chockey, Sparky or Keane on the podcast. And of course, Sir Alex would be the ultimate one. I just want to say I love the podcast as I listen to it while I drive my bus around the fair city of Dublin. Keep up the great job, guys. Cheers, Keith. Keith, thank you so much. Drive safe. Thank you, Keith. And one more. Vidas Natube says, hello, I am a Nigerian living in Italy. I've enjoyed the podcast thoroughly. Enjoyed that of Rooney and Agallo, and it was reminiscing about many things about life in Nigeria. The viewing centre in Nigeria was a great experience. Please can we have a podcast of Jisung Park, Raphael and Fabio. Thanks to you all. Thank you very much indeed. Also working on those. We're busy people too. Trying to get through all these podcasts, these legends. We are. The good news is, club's got loads of them. Yeah, very true. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We'll be back again next week with another one, probably back at the usual sort of length as well. Uh, if you want to get in touch, our email address is in the show notes. It's unitedpodcast.mayunited.co.uk. Uh, don't forget to give us a review. You can give us a star rating on our Apple podcast. We like those. That's kind. Um, yeah. And we will see you for the next one. Take care of yourselves. Bye. Bye.